we're going to continue our series in the Old Testament now, and I'm going to look at Psalm 16, and I'm going to look at the topic of the presence of God through the Old and New Testament. I've heard it said that if you remove the parts of the Bible that were about the presence of God, you'd be left with maybe the genealogies, um, Philemon, um, maybe the book of Proverbs, maybe not even them. It's, uh, it's pretty central. And I want to talk about God's presence um, now, and I want to start off with a biblical theology going through Old and New Testaments. My goal is to get a really good grasp of that. And then my second goal is to talk about how we can experience God's presence right now. So let me ask you a question. Um, where is God right now? Everywhere. Okay, everywhere. Um, so uh, let's hold back as we're going to have some more answers to that question. So here's my outline. I'm going to look at, start off by looking at the facts. Where is he present? God's presence in the Old Testament and God's presence in the New Testament. Those three things. So that's the first goal. Understand it. The second goal is the experience. And we're going to look at Psalm 16 to guide our experience of the Spirit. So I said, where is God's presence? And um, the first thing answer people give is, well, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent, which is the word which we use. Nevertheless, the Bible speaks about God's special presence, a particular special presence. And there are four levels at which God's presence can operate. That's what I'm going to argue. And I'm going to suggest that the first of those is his presence everywhere. The second is an intensified presence in a location. And the third and fourth are a more specific kind of presence. And you will have to wait till we get there to find out what that's about. So first of all, then, let's look at God's presence in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 3, just after Adam and Eve had been created, we read, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So there's not much explanation about that, but it does seem that it's a, a, a manifestation of God, which would be Jesus Christ, walking physical manifestation of God. And this would have been a regular thing because they were expecting him. And so, uh, and they just sinned. So they, they were, they hid themselves. So there is this specific presence in the garden of God. Uh, and then in Genesis 4, when Cain had murdered his brother Abel, we read, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So um, he, he ran away, and so God's presence would have been located in that area then where Adam and Eve and, and uh, the godly line were living. <clears throat> so we can continue in the Old Testament Later on with the, the story of Abraham, at one point when God makes a covenant with him, we read, Abraham fell into a deep trance and the Lord appeared to him in the form of a smoking torch. So there's 
God appearing, God's presence appearing in something very, very specific. And then in uh, Genesis 28, we have the story of Jacob having a dream. And in Jacob's dream, Jacob really feels that he's had an encounter with God's presence at that point. He says, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He'd said that ladder going up and down to heaven, which in the New Testament, Jesus said, represented him. And so this was the presence of God. And um, then uh, moving through to Exodus, we have another mention. And this is Moses, of course, in the desert, sees a burning bush. And when he approaches it, it says, God called to him out of the bush. And Moses said, said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And so God's presence was in that bush in a special way. So this is interesting. God's presence can be everywhere, but we begin to see God's presence can also be in a more intense way in a specific place. Now, as we move on to the story of the nation of Israel, we get a lot more of these references. So in Exodus 13, we read about God leading Israel as they traveled in uh, chapter uh, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. So this is the Lord. And if you remember when we did the, the sermon on the Trinity a few weeks ago, I, I showed how this pillar actually was Jesus Christ. So this is God's presence with them in this special way. And then um, we, uh, we can also read in Exodus 33, he promised to go with them. He said, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So I want to ask, is it possible for God's presence not to be with them? Well, obviously it must be if you know, God's presence was with them. So even though God is everywhere, there's something that's special about God's presence that was with them at this time. Now, there became soon an opportunity to experience God's presence in a much more localized way. I don't know if can you can you think of where, what that might be? The tabernacle, that's right, the tabernacle. And so we see the tabernacle, which is like a portable temple. And Exodus 40, it's completed. And we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God's presence is manifested in the form of this glory or brightness, this bright shining glory that fills the temple. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So this is just such an intense mark of God's presence. He couldn't go in. And uh, then we read uh, after the tabernacle, when they reached the, pr the promised land, they used the tabernacle for quite a while. But then Solomon built a temple to God and when the temple, temple is dedicated, we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13, when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. 
so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So we see this um, amazing story of God's presence, just uh, sporadically to start with, you know, a little appearance to to Abraham or to to Jacob and then to Moses and then regularly as they went through the wilderness and then the tabernacle and now the temple, we see a place of God's special presence. Um, but the, as we're reading through the Bible, going through, and I went through very, very carefully looking for every reference to God. And I'm giving you just about all the references here. Once I hit the Psalms, I just hit, uh, I just hit a bonanza. They were just so many references to God's presence in the Psalms. It's full of references. And so we're going to pick Psalm 16 later because it it ends with in your presence is fullness of joy. So we're going to pick that up. So we'll come back to that. But before we do that, let's just go to the New Testament. And uh, so in the New Testament, we have particularly well, God's presence in the old was nothing compared to what it was in the new. Jesus Christ came to dwell among us, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's presence in a greater measure than ever before. Um, I want to ask, is it possible to have God's presence even closer than that? I mean, you could touch Jesus. Couldn't you just imagine that? He's there. You could touch God. Isn't that extraordinary? They could actually have a meal with him. and He's there and talk. Could God's presence be closer than that? Is that possible? Well, yes, because there's a promise of the Spirit. Um, God himself in our hearts. God's glory taking up residence in us. This is amazing. And, uh, of course, John 14 is one of the the preeminent passages on this, and we're just going to read some verses from that. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Actually, that, when it says in verse 15, you'll keep my commandments, it's particularly the context is the commandment to love one another. And so it seems there's a connection between loving one another and experiencing the Spirit, which is quite interesting. But he asks the Father, gives him another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And we understand by that that Jesus Jesus is coming in the Spirit. The Spirit is the mediator. Is he, he is how we experience Jesus right now. So when Jesus says, I will come to you, he is talking about this event of the Spirit coming. A yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Wow, that is just so amazing. That verse is extraordinary. That 
he's paralleling up the reference between his closeness with the Father and is the God's closeness with us. This is extraordinary what we receive through this. But let's carry on reading, shall we? Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, particularly the commandment to love, he, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So Judas can't get a hold of this. Like, um, is it, if he appears, how can we can see, we can see him, but the world can't? <clears throat> and Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. So, uh, this is the answer then, make our home with him rather. So the answer then is that it's invisible because he's, he's, his home is us. Just like his home was in the tabernacle and then the temple, his home is in us. So this is quite extraordinary, this culmination of the, the, the sequence from the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, and then within our hearts. Um, so... I want to look then, um, look at my overview, reactions to God's presence in the Old Testament. People were often afraid to start with, weren't they? When God, there was God's presence, there was often terror. And um, you can think of Mount Sinai where they were just scared. I mean, even Moses was, you know, by the burning bush, it was like a little bit, a little bit scary. Um, often scared with him. And... Uh, but it seems that once people had a better understanding of God's grace, the terror was replaced with joy. And so David was really the first one to really bring this to the forefront, how God's presence could be joy. And that was one of the wonderful things that he did in the Psalms. So there's a kind of a little bit of a progress there. In the New Testament, there's a, there's, there's a, a joy in Jesus' presence. You can think of Mary who washed his feet, how she was just so filled with joy. The comfort that he was to the, the presence was to the disciples, the comfort that Paul experienced in God's presence. You can think of Paul and Silas in prison singing at midnight because they could experience this presence of God. Um, but there was still sometimes some fear when the apostles did mighty miracles, people who didn't know God could still be scared in a kind of odd way of this presence. They didn't understand it, and it was kind of scary. So we haven't completely lost that awesome, slightly scary edge that if we don't know him, we can experience. Or even if we do know him, I'm sure that uh, there, we, we could find him scary if we were just uh, saw him in his, all his glory. So I mentioned to start with, we were going to see four levels of God's presence. And we talked about his omnipresence. He's everywhere. Talked about the old covenant, the external old covenant presence, which is just visibly there, um, you know, in the, the cloud and the fire and everything. 
And then we saw the new covenant, God makes his home in us through the Spirit. So what is this fourth level that I'm going to be talking about, this fourth kind of presence that we have? So can you think of what it could be? Surely we've covered everything in those three. Well, you may or may not have thought of it, but the answer is that when we're gathered in Jesus' name, there are extra promises of something special about his presence. And um, there seems to be an intensified presence in that situation. So an example would be Matthew 18 and verses 19 and 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, he's in them anyway, because they're all carrying his presence. But there I am among them. Um, And it's interesting because we're told that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. But we're also told that our our gathered community of, of believers is a temple that we're a temple together, living stones. And um, so it's like an intensification of that presence of God in us when we gather together in Jesus' name. And um, during that time, we can experience through the gifts of the Spirit. And for example, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, If therefore the whole church comes together, if all to prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really among you. So as God manifests his gifts in this gathered group of people, and uh, so I would suggest that um, that particularly as we as we use our gifts in blessing one another, like praying for one another, um, joining in singing and worshiping God. I believe that that is that is one of the actions which brings us together and brings God's presence down um, and giving prophetic words, as in this these verses here, preaching and teaching. That is an act of the spirit. Um, encouraging one another. You know, we we uh, uh, you know when we get to the point we're going to be having food after our meetings again, and we can talk to one another, just spend time together, encouraging one another. That is a time for the spirit. It's not just like the holy place where you're in the sanctuary, just gathering together and encouraging one another. We're using the gift of the spirit to do that, and God's presence is there with us as we share wisdom and counsel with one another then that is a work of the spirit as we love one another show mercy and bless one another those are gifts of the spirit which are bring god's presence in fact as i mentioned earlier jesus specifically linked showing love to one another as something which is connected with bringing the spirit so So meeting together then is a special means for experiencing more of God's spirit. So I've completed my teaching section on the facts here. We've looked at the Old Testament, the progression from old right the way through the Psalms, then through to the New Testament and how we see a growth. And we've seen the the fourth type of presence being in the community of God's people and We 
we've seen the flow then of teaching in the Bible about God's presence. And what I'd like to do now is to uh, is to move on to the experience of God's presence. And I would like to say, oh, well, let's look at Psalm 16. Why won't I want to look at Psalm 16? Um, well, because Psalm 16 ends with the statement, in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's how it ends. So how did he get there? Um, so we're going to actually look at it as a sequence of steps moving forward to this experience that he had at the end of God's presence. So um, is there any way that we can sense that the Spirit is present with us? How do we know when the Spirit is there? Uh, well, uh, I think that um, that we there is a way that we can we can sense even unbelievers can sense sometimes that there is something here. There's God's presence. Um, it's something that if we're, I believe, if we're too distracted and taken up with life, and we're on our phones all the time, and you know we're doing so, then then we're less attuned to that. But I think if we are really attuned, we're able to experience it. Um, of course, sometimes in the scripture, you didn't need any special attunement. You know, the building shook or there was a almighty wind or something like that. It was very clear the spirit was there. But often, I think we, we don't feel the spirit because we're, we're just uh, too busy and not spending time um, just giving attention to sensing God. And um, uh, so I want to suggest to you that um, uh, often... We're in too much of a rush or hurry, and what we need to do is wait on the Lord and spend and just devote some time to him regularly, where we spend some time each day just putting away away all the rush and hurry of the day and spending time with him just quietly and developing that communion with him, that he is there and feeling what it's like for him to be there. So... That's a framework I'm going to use for how we approach Psalm 16, because this is our goal is to be at this point where we know we really have a sense that God is here. God is with me. And so I'm going to look at this psalm then. And I've got um, seven points that I want to make as we go through. I've got seven points, seven steps for going through. And the first step is Claim God as your only refuge and source of joy and forgiveness. This is the first step that you make in these seven steps of experiencing God's presence. David says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So remember that your sins are washed away. Don't allow your guilty feelings or Satan, the accuser. Does he ever bother you? I'm sure he does. Don't allow them to rob you of your joy. And so the first thing is just to, to put away these things that Satan would like to rob you of your joy and experiencing his presence. Say, um, You've washed my sins away. I've got no good apart from you. You're my refuge. You're the place I can go to and I can just rest in you. And uh, so that's the first step then. 
to go to God. And so the second step is choose God and not sin. Just make a conscious decision. I'm going to choose you, God. We read their sorrows multiply. Those who run after another God, their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my future secure. And so there is a a, a real determination that here that is going to make God the one that we choose. So part of that is is re- repenting of any sin, saying I shouldn't have done that, God, um, but just making that conscious decision and recognizing the pleasure around you, sorry, the, the pressure to satisfy yourself in sin, to satisfy yourself in this life. So recognize that you're surrounded by advertising, you're surrounded by people, and there's a pressure that you need to do this for satisfaction and say, no, Lord, you're my chosen portion. You hold my future. You're the one who's my cup, the one I want to drink from and uh, make an active choice to be satisfied in God. So we've come to God. We've we've uh, remembered our sin is forgiven. We can just walk in freedom to him. And now we're going to declare to him, I'm going to choose you, God. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to choose this other stuff. I'm, you are my portion and make that declaration. So having done that, we come to a very key point in this process and that words of thankfulness. And this is declaring to God how thankful we are. And the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Now, that's um, we may not understand what that was, but that was a, that the lines were the markings for their inheritance. And David's just saying, God, you've given me a wonderful inheritance. It's like what you've given me. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He's saying, I thank you for the place you've given me to live. Um, and he's saying, lots of good things have happened to me, God. You are the one who's blessed me so much. And so. The third thing we can do is to think, has God blessed me this week? What's happened? Oh, yeah, he did this for me. God, you've done this for me. You've Thank you, God, for doing this. Thank you for what you've done for me, God. Thank you. And just speaking words of thankfulness to God is the third step in moving towards this experience of his presence. So the next thing that we do is to quiet our minds. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. And um, wait on the Lord, which was actually in the previous section, but waiting um, is not emptying as in mysticism, but filling your mind with Christ, just allowing him to be there. And he's, he's picturing himself, he's in the night, he's just nighttime, and he's just spending some time by himself, just allowing God's presence to come in and to fill him. And um, uh, we can sometimes come bustling into God's presence, rattling off our list of requests. God, please give me this and bless this person, this and this. And God, thank you for this and this and this. And then we go. And this isn't what it's talking about. It's talking about just spending some time quietening ourselves and um, our hearts just uh, filling with this, this praise for God and what God has done for us. 
And so quieting the mind, and then we have the next point, which is delighting in him. <laughs> so we've thanked him, we've quietened our mind, and now we're going to just just say good things about him. I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. I'm just so happy that I'm so secure in him. What do I have to worry about that he loves me? What what do I have to care about? Because he's there. This is amazing. Um, it goes on. Um, then beginning having quieted his mind, starts to think about how secure he is in his love. And he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which Sheol is a is a, the word for the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. Um, so as you think about him, allow this joy to well up. He's the, a God who, the worst thing that could possibly happen would be for you to die, but you're, he won't leave you in the grave. He's going to raise you up again. And so nothing actually ultimately can hurt you because he's got you. He's got your back. He's looking after you. And just allow the thoughts of God's like amazing care for you. And actually, as I'm saying this, I'm just feeling this this joy towards God that he's, he's so committed to me that, you know, if I die, I don't have to worry. What, what can I worry about? Because he's so committed to me. If he sent his only son to die for me, what do I have to worry about? And so I just allow those thoughts to come in my mind. And I can just feel as I'm doing this, I can feel this joy welling up in me. And so the last one, uh, well, so the sixth one is believe he's here and listening. So he's here right now. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Wow. Pleasures forevermore. He, we are now in his presence. He, we are in his presence. He's right. He's listening to us now. He's, he's, he's present here with us. And we can experience this. As David concludes the song, he's actually filled with this joy of God's presence. And so um, what's missing then? We've reached the end. What is it? What what comes next? Well, there's one more thing that, that happened here. After having this experience, David decided to write a song about it and then teach other people this song, which got added to the book of Psalms. And so it didn't stop with him experiencing the presence, but it's, it ended with him sharing the presence of God. And so uh, what I want to say is share the effect of God's presence with others and allow them to share with you. And part of that is the gifts that he's given and the love he's given us. So we can experience more then by just sharing this with others. And so... I'd just like to uh, to go through these points now and just to recap on where we've got to. And then I'd actually 
like us to just pray together and spend some time just quietly. I'm going to lead us through and we're going to quietly experience this presence. So let's look at these things. Claim God as your only refuge and source of joy and forgiveness. Then choose God and not sin. Say, God, I'm going to choose you. I've decided you're going to the one I'm going to look to for my satisfaction. And then start to praise him for what he's done. Lord, you did this for me this week and you kept me safe there. And then you, I didn't have to worry about this. And I didn't get sick when other people were sick. And, I, and just going through words of thankfulness to God. And then quiet your mind and set your mind on him. Think, oh, he's so good. You know, what a future I have in him. Oh, he just looks after everything. He's just, he's, he's here right now. And he delights in me. And he loves me. And he's, his joy is on me. What do I have to fear? And, uh, and then share it with others. So I want to ask you, how much is it worth to you to have God's presence? If you could buy it, you know, say there was an auction and you could, you know, how much would you pay for God's presence? What, what, you know, what value is it to you? Well, just imagine there was a wedding and the bride and groom, an amazing wedding, and they were just so in love with each other and they'd just been married. And then you would go up and you'd say, Oh, um, I'm sorry, uh, the, 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 sorry, bride, your husband's just been summoned. He's got to go military service. He's got to leave right now. Um, you'll probably never see him again. Um, but you have the opportunity to buy him out of the military. How much are you willing to pay? I'll say, well, I'll give everything I've got, like uh, everything for his presence. And so how much more would you give for God's presence? Well, you might say, well, I would give everything, but like, I want to challenge you. It's about time. It's about energy. It's about effort. Are you willing to just stop doing those things for a few minutes? Turn your phone off, just move away from distractions and spend some time in God's presence. Are you willing to do that? Because that's really what the price is. That's the only price. Um, so I want to challenge you that God is here right now. And I want to invite you that we're going to experience God's presence right now together. So let's just go through the points in this psalm and experience them. So first of all, let's claim God's joy as our refuge. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are our joy. You are our forgiveness. You're the one who we can come to. Thank you, God. You're the only place that we can come to that compares. We turn away from all these other things and we come to you. Thank you that you've forgiven us. You've washed us. You've cleansed us. Thank you, God, for that. Oh, God, we're going to choose you today. We're not going to satisfy ourselves anywhere else. But we want to choose you and your satisfaction right now. Choosing you, God. And just take a moment to thank God for anything he's done in this last today or the last week that you're thankful for, or even in your whole life that you're thankful for. Thank you, God.
take a moment to do that. Just quiet your mind now. Just quieten it. Just allow him to come. Just sense him coming. He's here. He's coming. He, he's, we've invited him and he's coming. Now, just begin to set your mind on him and delight in him. Begin to just have some joy in all that he's, in his love for you and his promises for you and his commitment to you. Just allow some joy to well up in you. To think of how committed he is to you. And now, he's here. Just receive that. He's here right now. He's with us. He's here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So, that leaves us to take his presence out to others. And to be a blessing to others. So they can experience his presence as well. So Lord, we thank you for this extraordinary blessing that we have. We have your spirit living in us. And we can, we can know your presence directly. We don't have to go to some temple, climb some mountain, but we can experience you right here and now, anytime we desire. Thank you, God. And Lord, we pray that you'll give us such experiences of you that we, that we want more. We won't get swamped by the busyness of society, but we want more of you and be willing to spend time with you. Thank you, God. Amen.